studio from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Well, is the Commonwealth of Virginia the Commonwealth of Winners? Or what? How good was this past weekend for our teams here in the Commonwealth? And I emphasize, highlight, italicize, bold, Commonwealth, and not the DMV. Because the commanders, as they are wont to do, ruined it for all of us to make it almost a clean sweep for teams in our area that we talk about, first and foremost on our airwaves. Although the commanders gave a valiant effort yesterday, kind of a uh, familiar refrain and familiar script at the end as they fell to Seattle. But everywhere else you look, the sun was shining upon our teams, particularly at the college level. You can go to Randolph-Macon at Division Three with their uh, beatdown on Hamden Sydney. Now, I know Hamden Sydney's also a Commonwealth team. Somebody had to lose, and much more at stake for the Yellow Jackets. They get a home game coming up in the Division Three playoffs. Virginia Union is headed to the Division Two playoffs against Cutstown. And at the Division One level, FBS, Virginia Tech with a dominating victory over Boston College, making their path a little clearer and a little shorter to get to six wins and a potential bowl game. James Madison keeps rolling. Pick a sport, any sport, and JMU keeps rolling. Uh, Richmond had a sweep of its weekend, if you include the women's team as well. They went 3-0 and with football and men's basketball winning on Saturday and women's basketball winning on Sunday. So you kind of get the idea. William & Mary football picked up a win. Might be a little bit too little too late for them at this point this season, but they could certainly spoil Richmond's season in the Capital Cup game this Saturday in Williamsburg. So you kind of get the idea. It was a winning weekend across the Commonwealth of Virginia, which gives us plenty of good stuff to talk about. There's not a whole lot to gripe about this weekend. Other than, as I said, the Commanders and um, Matt Josephs joins me for the 4 o'clock hour, as we try to do each and every Monday when we're both on on Monday, and we call it Mashup Monday. A lot of times it fades to Tuesday because one or both of us isn't on the air on Monday, but this just happens to be a week in which both of us are. So you got both of us up until 5 o'clock this afternoon. Was this as winning a weekend for you as it was for our Commonwealth teams, Matt? Uh, no, I could never match it because we had pretty much one or two losses uh, all weekend, Bob. I could, I, I did not do as well, but it, it was pretty crazy to see all this stuff and, you know, you keep winning, Bob, and College Game Day decides to come join you. How about that? Third time that JMU will host College Game Day, the first time as an FBS Member And I, I'm fascinated by it, Matt, because obviously the elephant in the room, the cloud hanging over everything is this whole final ditch waiver attempt by JMU to the NCAA. And how will college game day play that out this weekend? You know what I think, Matt, for once, the NCAA needs to be a little proactive here and maybe even a little smart. And they just need to make a decision before Saturday. That, that's my whole point here. Make a decision before Saturday. If you allow them to play, 
That's going to be the storyline Saturday. You're going to kind of dodge the bullet a little bit. Everyone's still going to hate the NCAA, but that's not going to be first and foremost on their mind. They're going to be giddy if they're going to have an opportunity to play for a conference championship and a bowl game. So they can make that decision. The other two decisions, the other two aspects they could do, they're going to keep getting cream just as they've been getting. So they might as well get it done. And that is deny it one more time so that it's at least closed, closure, final. The other one, if they keep it hanging, that's the one to me that hurts the most. That's the one to me that's going to put a black eye and Achilles heel even more so on the NCAA. So I would beg the NCAA, just make some kind of decision before college game day goes on the air Saturday morning. See, I think if they do not make a decision, they're purposely waiting until afterwards because if they make the decision beforehand, they'll spend those two hours crushing the NCAA. So I feel like it's a Sunday morning news dump after the game uh, Mm. to potentially spare themselves. Not that they still wouldn't get crushed anyway because if I'm college game day that next Saturday down in uh, Michigan Stadium, I'm still going to crush them. But it's a little less since uh, college game day will be gone from Harrisonburg. Maybe, maybe. I just think they're going to get crushed if they haven't made a decision by Saturday as well. I I just think having them hang by a thread even longer is going to hurt even more, and there'll be more speculation and all of that. But I get your point. It's not a bad idea if you're the NCAA and it's going to be a negative decision that they wait until 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. That would be, oh, that would be so cowardly. That would really be cowardly of the NCAA if they did that. I, Like I said, I, I this is one time I think I would say, you know what, I'm going to get this out in the open one way or the other, and we're getting this done. But now that you say what you did, I, I kind of understand where you would be coming from there. But they got to do something pretty quickly here because the end of the season is right upon us. Yeah, and obviously they're secretly in their offices rooting for mm-hmm. them to lose these last two games. I mean, I don't think they're going to lose to App State. Uh, App State's been pretty good as of late, but I, I just don't see them losing their final home game. And then, you know, the Coastal Carolina game could be moot if they decide to because obviously JMU will have clinched the division by then. JMU's technically clinched the division by, or at least a share of the division by now, but, um, man, the NCAA is huge App State fans this weekend. But even if they lose these two games, they would still be bowl eligible and should still get a decent bowl, right? I mean, that really – it changes part of the narrative. It changes the, the upper echelon narrative. But even if they lose those two games, they would love to go to a – legitimately go to a bowl game because of their record, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and, 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 you know, it looks like – and I haven't seen the numbers to see how many people are bowl eligible or close to bowl eligible. It looks like we're tracking right now towards them making it through the back door, but this is not a team who should be making it through the back door. They should be kicking down the front door. Well, you know what's funny about that? I started yesterday to try and scribble down the teams that have already, you know, clinched a bowl bid. They've won six games or those that are eliminated. And I didn't get through it last night. And I don't know if you saw David Teal's column today, but he did the work for us to answer your question. David has a column up there today about the combination of JMU and Liberty and the possibility that the two of them could actually meet in a bowl game this year the two remaining unbeaten teams in the commonwealth of virginia at the fbs level so here's the research that david did did you see his story by the way i don't want to repeat something, i did not but, okay so with two weeks to go in the regular season i'm reading right off of his story today 58 fbs teams own at least six wins which is as david said far shy of the 82 that are needed to fill all 41 bowls 
Furthermore, David reports, 34 teams are already eliminated from bowl contention. So they have three or less wins with two weeks to go in the season. So that leaves 38 contending teams, meaning 24 of the 38 must get another win or two to reach postseason qualification status, which, as Dave said, and I would agree, that seems like a long shot, Matt. I still think that's the the path the JMU is going to wind up on, and that is they're going to take one of those spots because there aren't going to be enough teams that are eligible for a bowl. Got root against our orange, Bob. Sorry, they don't deserve a bowl. JMU deserves one over them. Yeah, but somebody's getting one this weekend, right, because Syracuse is playing Georgia Tech, and they both have five wins. So one of them's getting a six this week, and they'd have another week possibly to get there. But at least this Saturday, either Syracuse or Georgia Tech, I think they both have five wins, should get a sixth win. Yeah, and I would think Georgia Tech would. Uh, but but if Georgia Tech loses, they're playing Georgia net the next week, and they will not get that six win. So that so would be they, a good thing. So they, maybe that's the way to go is to root for Syracuse anyway because one of them's going to get it. Uh, and there were, who does Syracuse play in the last week? I haven't even looked. Uh, crying Dave Clawson. Oh, well, they have not had a very good year. Why do you say crying Dave Clawson? Because he was crying after the game when they lost last week, uh, this was past really? weekend. Oh, yeah, like, he was literally ver- crying. He, uh, from what I've read, he was very frustrated that his offense is broken and he did his team <laughs> wrong, and he was crying uh, in the post game. Yes. That's um, that's a different Dave Clawson than the one I knew, who was much more machine-like and um, flatlined when it came to that sort of thing. That's that's really interesting. But that that scenario actually could happen, where you know you could get Georgia Tech eliminated here if Syracuse beats them. They're not going to beat Georgia, and then they wouldn't be bowl eligible. The other team you got to root against if you're JMU is Virginia Tech, right? I mean, that's another one that would be a bubble team here. If they could beat NC State or Virginia, they'd have six wins, and they'd be in. But if NC State and Virginia beat them, they'd be at five, and that would be one less team to be in the way of JMU. See, and if I was if I was James Madison, I wouldn't I'd want the best opponent possible. Like the Liberty story would be great for us, Bob, but I would not want it because I just don't I think JMU needs to play a power five school. I, I or, you know, playing Liberty doesn't do anything for James Madison. I think if they make a bowl game, Bob, I want to see them play a power five school. Well, I don't know if that's going to happen, but we'll find out. First of all, first things first, whether they get the waiver or not. If they don't, I'm not really sure how they figure out what bowl they can go to if they're going to be one of those schools that you know replaces other teams. I'm not quite sure how that works and which bowls would have – openings for them to go to at that point. I don't know how what what the bidding process is it's, like at that point. It's going to be based off of which conferences don't have enough. So if the Pac-12 has eight tie-ins and they can only fill seven of them, uh-huh. I'm guessing that's where they then they that bowl will get an opportunity mm-hmm. to bid on anybody who's who's going to be out there. All right. Yeah, no, that that does make sense. All right, so there's your numbers, Matt. If you want to keep them handy and crunch them, at least according to to David Teal, and I certainly trust him for sure. 58 teams already have at least six. You need 82 to fill the 41 bowls. 34 are already out, can't get to six. So that leaves 38 teams that need to get to six um, for 24 spots. There are 38 still eligible to get to six wins still have mathematically a chance to get to six and they need 24 of them Uh, that's a long shot actually i I think it's fairly you know the odds are that there's going to be you know some openings for teams because they're not going to reach that number interesting 
Whew. All right, that gets us started today on the Sports Huddle on the Mashup Monday part of the Sports Huddle. Matt Joseph is in our ESPN Richmond studios where Lewis is producing. Uh, I am hosting remotely this afternoon, and we got you up until 5 o'clock, and then I'll take you home uh, until 6. And then I am out tomorrow and Wednesday traveling tomorrow with Richmond basketball and on the road Wednesday night against Boston College, the Spiders' first road game of the year and honestly their first real test of the season after two blowout wins over VMI and Siena. All right, let's get it going. Let's tip it off for a Monday, the Mashup Monday edition. Border to Border and the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. This is a huge fan of the sport. This is the River City Rundown. River City Rundown presented by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. If you're looking to join a great local organization, the Red Cross is holding a hiring event tomorrow, Tuesday, November 14th. Stop by the Red Cross headquarters at 2825 Emerywood Parkway between 830 and 5. And if you'd like to learn more about the open positions, the benefits, how you can set up an in-person interview, go to redcross.org. Uh, Matt, I think I'm allowed to say this, and I don't know if you said it in the 3 o'clock hour, but do you know you are now in the presence of a newlywed in the ESPN Richmond studios? Nobody tells me anything, so I have no idea. <laughs> Lewis got married over the weekend. Oh, okay. How about that, huh? Lewis, congratulations, my man. I hope I'm allowed to tell the world that. I hope you don't mind. Absolutely, man. I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> and I saw Lewis Saturday night. He was at the Spider basketball game, and he he was all decked out in his wedding suit. He was taking pictures and shooting video, and then he was going back to his bride. It was really cool. So, Lewis, I hope you had a great day. You'll you always remember it, and I hope the weekend was great, and appreciate you being back in the studio. I hope your wife is a sports fan. She is a sports fan, man, <laughs> and uh, like she supports what I do. So, yeah, man, it like, it was a blast. And you support what she does is the rest of that sentence, by the way. Absolutely. You'll, yeah, you'll learn. You'll learn, you newlywed. Well, congratulations, Lewis. That's awesome. And, and glad you're with us here today. All right, Matt and I got you until 5 o'clock uh, this afternoon. No guests in the 4 o'clock hour. In the 5 o'clock hour, going to talk some college basketball. Um, love having Rick Watson on the air. He's got his own uh, local sports talk show down there in the New River Valley. And he's the voice of the Radford Highlanders. And they've got the Commonwealth of Virginia week this week. And it's not going to be easy. Wednesday, they'll be at the Siegel Center to battle VCU. And then Friday, they play James Madison, uh, nationally ranked James Madison. Again, pick a sport, football and basketball. First time ever they've been nationally ranked in men's basketball, and they're up to number 18 in football. So a big week for Radford basketball. Thought we'd tie it all together today. So Rick's going to join us. Haven't had him on in a long time. Love chatting with him. Really good guy. We'll talk about Radford's game against VCU on Wednesday and JMU on Friday night. 804-327-0888 on the Sports Auto. Get you on the air. It's also our text line, 327-0888. Matt and I will be back after the break, 1061 ESPN. Big Al doesn't care how the duck is prepped. I don't care if he eats raw duck. Or what anyone thinks. I don't care about what he thinks. But he does care about what you do from 8 to 10 weekday mornings. So spend that time with him on 106.1 ESPN. Home for the Dallas Cowboys all season is 106.1 ESPN. Brought to you by Arthur's Electric and Park and Go. Big games for Seattle. And I guess Geno Smith's numbers were pretty close to Sam Howell's, but I'm not sold on Geno Smith like I am on Sam Howell. Matt, those are the two impressions I came away with. Again, that the Commanders were the better team but lost, 
and that Sam Howell and Brian Robinson were the best players on the field. I uh, it's the defense. It's the defense. It's the defense. It's the defense, and it's crazy to say considering they spent so many first round picks on this defense, and they stubbornly kept Jack Del Rio when they could have changed things early in the season. I think they're going to look back at this year, Bob. That like this could have been a team that makes the playoffs and maybe upset somebody. But because they didn't make any changes after the Bears game, they're going to miss the playoffs, and they're just going to add another first-round draft pick to the mix. I'm 100% with you, and I don't do that very often, but uh, you might have even been calling for Ron Rivera to be gone at that, that mini-bye week after the disaster that was the Bears game, and I was certainly calling for somebody. Some voice had to go, and it's not going to be Eric Bianami, obviously. He's in his first year there, so Jack Del Rio was the obvious uh, culprit, and that didn't happen either. Now I think they're I think they're stuck now. I think they just plod through the rest of this season. They get Sam Howe as good as they can get him, and they'll figure out a new defense next year, probably with a new head coach. And here's where you and I disagree. I'm not saying that Eric Bieniemy might not be back as the offensive coordinator, but I don't think he's going to be the head coach. I think he's deserving of being a head coach, but I think this new ownership group is going to clean house as much as they possibly can and bring in totally their own people. Remember, they didn't hire Eric Bieniemy. That was done before they got there. I just think they're going to start really from scratch at, with a new head coach, new defensive coordinator. Maybe Bieniemy stays as old coordinator. Maybe he's a head coach somewhere else in the NFL. Uh, I mean, I would I, that would be I ridiculous. You know. I, I think that would be ridiculous because I think you could have then hired Eric Bieniemy this hiring cycle if that was going to be the case. I, you know, he wasn't going to go anywhere. He was going to be in KC another year. Then why hire him the early year to to give him an opportunity to be with Sam Howell and then split the two up after they were pretty good together? Because somebody else hired him. That's what I'm saying. This ownership group did not hire. Eric Bieniemy. If he if the new head coach comes in and wants to keep him as offensive coordinator and keep that tandem going, great. But I I just think they're going to totally go in a different direction. Just my gut feeling. I could be wrong about that. I I mean, and it would be in line with what this team does. It would unfortunately be in line with what this team does, which would be a move that I disagree with. I just sure you don't you don't have a rookie quarterback, Bob, and have him have a really good season with an offensive coordinator, and then next year change everything up and start from uh, scratch. Well, uh, I, I would be in the head coaching position, and I'd give that new head coach the opportunity to keep Eric Bieniemy if he wants to. But I just that that I just think they want to start from scratch. Is kind of what I'm at least when it comes to the coaching staff. I don't think it's a slam dunk, no brainer that Eric Bieniemy will be their next head coach. That, that's that's what I've been saying all season long, actually. But I do think there's a connection growing between the two of them. That that. My point. My my opinion. No, I get it. And 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 by, based off previous logic, Bob, that's exactly what they're going to do, and it's going to make no sense. And I'll come on and I'll rip them for it because I think that this is a good co- combination together. But uh, I mean, you know, unless they don't think Sam Howell's the choice, and next year they're going to go somewhere else in the first round, and that would be equally as stupid to 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 move on from Sam. Yeah, that would be more stupid, actually. No, I think they've got their guy. At quarterback. I mean, again, yesterday, I, I thought he was clearly the better quarterback on the field. I'm looking at the numbers right now, and there's not much difference between him and, and Geno Smith. And Smith was fine, don't get me wrong, but I just thought how um, clearly was, was the better player. 29 of 44, 312, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He endured three more sacks. Um, you know, but I just I thought he was the better player. And man, I just keep getting the ball in Brian Robinson's hands. I know you're eventually going to wear him out if you do that. Because what did he have? Fourteen 
touches one way or the other here between running the ball and and receiving yards. He had a monster day receiving yards for sure. But I, I just thought they were the best players out there. And 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 they have to find a, a, an offensive coordinator then who also excessively feeds Terry McLaurin. I mean, I just feel like yeah. we, we sit there in a lot of games and we say, boy, you know, Terry McLaurin should probably be uh, doing more and he gets underused. Yeah, that is true. I mean, eight targets and only four catches. There were a couple that were pretty much uncatchable that went his way, if I remember correctly, and only 33 yards. Um, yeah, that I would say they are underusing. Terry McLaurin for, for for sure and yet they still had an opportunity to win the game I thought of you yesterday Matt would you have gone for two when they uh when they scored in the last minute of regulation there no only because I mean Seattle's not the Eagles Seattle's not Dallas like if that was the case against Dallas yes if that was the case against San Francisco uh you know Miami down the line yes but like I to me Seattle's not as intimidating enough to be like well we gotta no I would not yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think Seattle looked all that good either. I mean, their record looks good, right? They're they're six and three now, aren't they? Seattle, I think. Yeah, but they're I not mean, that impressive, though. Not at all. Not at all. I, I I'm with you on that. And now the, uh, the the Commanders get the Giants, so they should get a win there, right? And then they got to go play the Thanksgiving game, and then they got to play the Dolphins, and then they got to go to L.A. So that's going to be a tough tough stretch and they still got the 49ers and Cowboys the second time to go so um, I don't see a whole lot of wins left on this Washington schedule um, I had like two I think yeah. I think they can win that game at the Rams uh, after the bye week and I okay. think they can win the game next well obviously they better win next week because yeah. they're facing Danny DeVito so that's gonna you know <laughs> and, and look you know maybe that Jets game if the Jets don't make a change and it's still Zach Wilson that's another game they could mm-hmm. win but if you know if the Jets ever heaven forbid decide to take Zach Wilson out they you know they're a pretty good defense I watched the the end of that game last night. That was frustrating. If you're a Jets fan, man, oh, man, Aaron Rodgers can't get back soon enough. And, and now having said that, then he goes and makes a couple of pretty darn good throws, actually, last night, but not not enough. That was, yeah, they got to get Aaron Rodgers back. I don't know if he can play this year or not. That's a tough injury to come back from that quickly. Um Especially if they're not in playoff contention, they got Trevor Simeon. He's he's at they, least modestly better than Zach yeah. Wilson. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that. Uh, I I don't I don't necessarily disagree. So they're, they're, those wins, the two New York teams, maybe the game um, at at the Rams. Um, you know, still got to make that trip to the West Coast out there to play that one, and you still got the 49ers and Cowboys to end the season. So and I, you know, I don't disagree with you because I think the college game has been great, but you do know that five games yesterday ended with game-winning field goals on the last play. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty good. I mean, it is, but with, like, what were the games though? Like, how many of them were they actually good matchups well, though? I, I agree. They just came down to the stretch. So Arizona, um, Cleveland, which came from way behind against the Rams, uh, Ravens. I, I couldn't believe that one. Uh, Detroit, maybe the most wild game of the day, forty-one uh, thirty-eight. Houston, I mean. You know, uh, rookie offensive court player of the year potentially there, and then the Seattle game all ended with game-winning field goals with no time remaining. First time in regulation in NFL history that that's happened. I'd like to thank Houston for knocking out 22% of my survivor pool, oh, Bob. Oh wow, how about that one? Huh? People you're out still... thinking themselves when there was essentially a bye week and just taking Dallas this week. And you're still rolling? Oh yeah, of course. Good for you. 
Good for you. And that goes all the way through the last week of the regular season? Uh, yes, it will. Ideally. Uh, at some point, what? Bob, this is a high enough stakes uh, survivor pool that there will be some negotiations with some of the other people to see if they want to split the pot. We'll see. Oh, that is high level negotiations. You'll be able to retire if you win this. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm lucky enough to find somebody who's in one of these pools and said they will take care of it for me, Bob. I work in radio. I can't actually <laughs> yeah. be in one of these. High stakes for us, Bob, is like 10 bucks. You got that right. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, keep going. I'm rooting for you on that one. I've never done one of those. That's pretty cool. Because um, I can't technically, you know. We, we I'm in a fantasy league, but it's for fun only because it's all uh, University of Richmond people, athletic department people. We're not we're not allowed to do that. Not not have any stakes involved. So of course I'm winning when there's nothing at stake. You know, I'm like eight and two. Not that anybody cares. Uh, but it's been fun. But there's there's no pot of gold at the end of the at the end of the season. You're, you're playing four stakes, right? You're actually playing four like stakes. Maybe that would be a good idea. Like maybe you know take the winner out to a steak dinner somewhere. Go join the offensive line at Texas Roadhouse. I, I would love to do that if they would invite me one week. But you know, uh, but yes, that would be okay. I guess I don't know. Nobody would have to know that. But yeah, there's no cash, which makes it a lot easier. There's not quite as much pressure. I don't really pay that much attention to it. Uh, to be honest with you, I just check it to make sure I'm not doing something dumb, like having players in my lineup that are on their bye week. That that usually happens to be about once a year. It hasn't yet this year, so I feel good about that. And I got Dallas Goddard out of there because I had him, and he got he got injured. So other than that, I don't pay too much attention to it. Uh, 4.30, just past 4.30. Let's get the break in here at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Matt Joseph's with me till 5 o'clock, and then I'll take you home from 5 until 6. Let's talk a little college hoops when we come back on the other side. Sports huddle, border to border. We put them together. You get mashup Monday on 106.1 ESPN. turn our attention for a little bit to some college basketball because again for the most part that went pretty well here in the commonwealth over the long weekend if you stretch it all the way back to the end of last week and matt i don't know that there's a team in the country that had a better week than the james madison dukes to start their season the impressive wins obviously at michigan state and then at kent state and i give them a lot of credit for the way they came back sunday i mean that's a long week for them it's their first home game so i know they're inspired by being at home particularly on the heels of those two wins uh probably a little bit of a lesser opponent although howard was an ncaa team and they took care of business so i was impressed not quite as much but still impressed by what they did yesterday the way they did it they should have won the game but it was the way they won the game in dominating fashion that that really puts an exclamation point on the end of one of the most memorable weeks particularly for the first week of the season for jmu and it gets them in the top 25 for the first time ever yeah and um you know look obviously the kent state win bob they could have mm-hmm. been hung over they could have been like well you know they went to overtime it's a tough place to play and I, you know that's a huge victory i thought they were going to play well yesterday howard's not very good and look, you're not going to learn anything about this team until, you know, who knows what happens in the Riviera. But, yeah, they, they certainly caught a lot of people's attention early. Yeah, and I don't think there were a lot of people, at least in the Sun Belt, that were sleeping on them because they were picked first, right, in the, in the, uh, in the Sun Belt? Yes, they were. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't. I think people knew how good this team could potentially be. I don't think anybody thought they'd be three and zero 
at the end of the first week. And now that's pretty interesting that they had never been nationally ranked before. I mean, obviously through the lefty Drizel years, they had some good teams. You go back to Luke Campanelli, they had some some really good teams uh, that made some runs in the NCAA tournament. So that's something else for them to celebrate as their first national ranking. I did not realize, as I'm looking at this now, Bob, that they are playing Old Dominion three times this season. One of the games is a non-conference game. I would love to know the story behind that, and is it just they couldn't find enough non-conference games and they both were like all right let's let's just keep playing yeah that uh, and none of them are like in tournament situations right they're um all like conference games december 9th in norfolk uh, january 24th in norfolk and february 3rd in harrisonburg that's a great probing question that we should ask somebody unless maybe that non-conference game had already been on the books before you know, they moved conferences and they decided not to rip up the contract and just play it. That would be the only guess I would take to that because that is highly unusual. You know, sometimes you, you wind up meeting in one of those in-season tournaments. You know, you wind up in the same bracket and that happens. Even that's pretty rare. But to do it by your own volition of scheduling, knowing, you know, two of them are in your conference, I'll bet that's what it was, Matt. I'll bet that, that non-conference one was scheduled before this happened. And I guess the two athletic directors decided let's just play it. It's like you said, it's hard to get you know good games. At least it's a state game. We're not getting a power five team to come in here. Let's and, and particular you know Old Dominion for years fought that battle because they had no rivalries in their conference. And Jeff Jones loved to stack up his non-conference schedule with state teams. And I don't blame him for doing it. That would that would be my reasoning for it. But we should find that out, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting because obviously. You know, they're playing Radford as part of this Cancun challenge, and then they're going to Cancun, and then they come home and play five straight in the state, three of those at home, the one at Old Dominion, and they're playing one at Hampton. But I, I just, it, it's, you know, it's going to be even tougher to get a non conference game now, Bob, if you're going to go and win at Michigan State. Yep, it sure is. You're not going to get them. That's, you know, you're not going to get them. But that's, that's the price you pay for being uh, successful and victorious. I think they'll take that trade. For sure. What do you make of this Virginia team? I think we've both seen the texts that we've gotten and have had callers and talked to people, and they're like, this team's better than they're getting credit for, and um, they're 25th, I guess, in the coaches' poll, or 24th, and getting votes in the other one. But I'm not so sure that maybe this isn't kind of where Tony Bennett really wants them to be right now. I mean, 2-0, and nice win over Florida. Uh, they are scoring a lot of points, although the first two games tilted by the, the Tarleton uh, State game. And they're playing pretty much the type of defense that Tony Bennett likes them to play. Uh, first off, uh, you know, I, I, I never want to complain about rankings and being unranked. There should be no top 25 rankings for the first month of the season. They really only do it for TV and for, for ESPN and stuff like that. So, like, that that part I don't I don't like. But, uh, you know, look, obviously Virginia got a real good win over Florida. And I picked Virginia to win the ACC. So I'm certainly one of these people who thinks that they're going to have a really good season. And it's funny because usually they start somewhat slow because they're still learning the pack line defense. They're still kind of feeling out the roster and even more so with a roster like this because there's so many new guys. Um, and then, you know, look, uh, North Carolina A&T this week, Texas Southern this week, and then the game that should be illegal on Monday against Wisconsin. Um, there's more <laughs> opportunities for them to kind of figure things out early on. Don't tell JMU there shouldn't be rankings the first couple weeks of the season. They're going to they're gonna live off of this national ranking for a while, and probably it will help them in recruiting to be able to kind of pound their chest a little bit and say we're, we're nationally ranked. But I, I certainly uh, get your point there. Yeah, that's an interesting start for Virginia. There, there are some built-in wins there, certainly for, for the uh, – 
for the Cavaliers. Uh, all right. Uh, we've also, on the other end, been, been getting the same noise, if you will, about VCU. And there was just one more that popped up even during the commercial break. Uh, they're still not happy on Broad Street, Matt. They're just not happy down there. Well, I think well, I think we need to amend that. I think one person who keeps texting us is not happy. Okay, fair um, enough. I think a lot of them look. There's obviously the the lunatic fringe to every fan base. I mean, everybody has it, whether you're whatever team you root for. And I'm not saying they're bad people. There are people who are probably unhappy that they're one and one, and that they were losing in the first half against Samford um, and, and didn't look great. But then there's the other people who are realizing that look, the starting five is a freshman, a guy who barely played last year and two transfers and a, and you know a senior guard and Zeb Jackson and then off the bench you've got a spider uh, a couple of young guys and a couple of guys who barely played at their previous spot so like to expect Ryan Odom to just put this all together in the spur of the moment is just ridiculous I um, they got the win um, I'd like to see them force more turnovers and, and get back to havoc but I, I, it's just not going to happen First of all, don't call him a spider, but that's a whole other story. Secondly, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because this is not a unique situation, Matt. Virtually every team in the country is going through this. Every team in the country is full of either nine freshmen or five transfers, and they got to put it together. So I would not use that as an excuse that they've got guys coming from everywhere. Most teams have guys coming from everywhere at this point it's a different style and a different system that the fan base certainly has to get used to make no mistake about that but they've spent a lot of time together over the summer and then once official practices began um it's it they they need to be getting up to speed like other teams have been getting up to speed and i think the two differences that we're not seeing now is the forced turnovers the defense is entirely different and at least at the outset uh, and I know they, they have, what, Bearstow is still hurt, but he's not playing a lot of guys. And, and that's something else uh, for a lot of minutes anyway. that That's something else that is different than, you know, the Mike Rhodes era for sure, who loved having his army and playing up to 10, 11 guys. At least not at the outset, Ryan Odom's not doing that. And you're right, and, and, and certainly that's the case. The one thing I'll go back on is the way they lost the kids that they did in the offseason, and of course Ryan Odom was scurrying, and they thought they were going to have Joe Bama seal, and they obviously don't right now. And, and yeah, look, Bob, they have to still win the games, and as you said, there's a lot of teams going through the same thing. It's just um, you know, obviously upsets happen. The McNeese mm-hmm. State game's an upset. Maybe McNeese State's going to be better, and we'll look at back at this at the end. I still think this is going to be a 20-win team. I still think they're going to make the NIT, and I think that should be the goal for this season hmm, really huh wow not the ncaa i mean i i have the benefit bob of being reasonable and i, I <laughs> look i don't bleed black and gold i don't bleed anything when it comes to any of the schools in the area i like to see them be successful but i could step back a little bit i think you know look at this conference I mean, am I ready to say after two games that Richmond's better than VCU for the whole season? Right now, I think Richmond's better than VCU at their full strength, at their best. I think they're about the same. But we're not, we haven't seen VCU at their full strength yet because Bearstow, I think, is a large part of that starting lineup. No doubt. I, I think he is. What's his timetable? Do you know when he'll be back? I thought it was four to six when he went, but, and that was like a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. seen anything. I think he speaks tomorrow, Ryan Odom. So maybe we'll get an update there. Um, but like, it's not like he's a minor piece and he's a guy who knows the system because obviously he played with Ryan Odom. And um, I, I think that's kind of important here. So, I mean, he's in a boot. So that's, that's a good thing, I guess, and a bad thing. I've never had a boot. So I don't know what that means, but I can't be the worst thing 
in the world. Mm-hmm. I think he may have spoken today. Actually, I thought I saw something on Twitter about that. Which, but I'm not. I'm not positive about that. But we can we can do a little research on that. It's actually been a pretty decent start. I know it's only been a week, but for the A10. I think it's been a, a fairly good start for the conference, and they need it to be better than just fairly good um, to try and get the multiple bids at the end of the year. Well, I'm looking. So Dayton's got LSU on Thursday. That's mm-hmm. a huge game. And as I've always said, I said, you know, look, even putting rivalries aside, you got to root for everybody in the conference. Like, that's just the way it is. You need everybody, especially if you're VCU, if you're a team that's lost already, like, and you have any sort of hopes for the postseason, you need everybody to play well. Uh, St. Louis has Wyoming. GW has Hofstra. The VCU-Radford game, like, Radford's not bad number numerically. Mm-hmm. St. Bonaventure's got Oklahoma State. You know, Richmond's got BC. So there are some opportunities coming up but yeah there's no like spectacular hang your hat on the conference win so far yeah and they just need quantity of wins right now just to try and keep the record as good as it can be i'll tell you the dark horse to me right now might be duquesne um they had that two-point win over cleveland state and then they beat i don't know how good charleston is this year i know how good they were last year but that's a pretty nice win for them as well and i know his schedule's top heavy with with home games so he could get some wins there at duquesne that would be a a dark horse team to keep an eye on at least getting into into conference play because they've gotten off to a good start and then on the well let's get get a break in here so we don't fall too far behind we'll finish up final segment if you got something uh off the top of the head you want to get to we'll do this here in the last few minutes and then we'll finish up and get you to uh, to 5 o'clock. A lot of good stuff to talk about this afternoon. 804-327-0888. Mashup Monday, border-to-border, sports huddle, 1061 ESPN. Welcome back. Uh, Mashup Monday here. Bob Black in the sports huddle. He'll be uh, continuing from 5 until 6. I like to sometimes run my opinions by Bob. And um, I talked a little bit about the Michigan uh, story and the victory over Penn State, Bob. I enjoyed it as a Penn State hater and a guy who doesn't think James Franklin's a good coach. But I think it's an interesting narrative that's come out, Bob, about the head coach after the game, and he's crying, and he's talking like Jim Harbaugh's dead. And there's all these people who are saying this school shouldn't play the victim card. I actually think the kids are the victims in this thing, and I think the adults let them down in this whole story. Uh, explain that one a little bit further to me. Because it's not Blake Corum is not the one sitting in the stands uh, stealing signs from other mm-hmm. people, and it's not the kid's fault if the coaches are not playing by the rules. And so taking away the head coach and making the kids look like the bad guys besides the coaches when it's really just the coaches. Like I feel bad for the kids, and it's actually putting them all together uh, as they become the the heels, as we like to say in wrestling terms, the rest of the season. Well, if you agree, and you may not, that there had to be some sort of disciplinary action here, then I think it falls on the head coach. He's ultimately responsible and accountable for the program, and I think this is a situation, I'm going to disagree with you, Matt. I don't know that it really has that negatively impacted the kids. Harbaugh's there all week long. He's doing the game plan. He's at every single practice. He can be all the way up. He can go on the road trip with him. He just can't go to the stadium with him. So there had to be some sort of discipline, and to me, it it was somewhat appropriate. What else would you have done? I mean, you certainly don't want to take victories away from them or put them on probation they can't go to a bowl game i certainly wouldn't want that to me this might have been 
you know, the easy way out for them at this point. I, I'm not. No, I'm. I'm agreeing. Well, I don't. I think the punishment was stupid because you're allowing him to stay with the kids all week. Like if right. you're going to suspend him, suspend him and keep him away. Although the first three games of the season, they didn't have mm-hmm. him, so they're mm-hmm. used to this already. But it's the people who are. It's the people who are going after the players and who are, who are mad at yeah, the players. Bad. Like they have nothing to do. And we've talked about Bob Greg Doyle, who came out and said he won't vote for J.J. McCarthy for the Heisman, That's even stupid. though he doesn't think he's the problem. Although you run the ball 30 times and you don't let J.J. McCarthy throw it, like he's just not going to win the Heisman anyway. But I thought that was stupid. I agree. That that definitely is student, uh, stupid. And I certainly wouldn't be pointing the fingers at the players. And I, I think the players will go about their business, and as they prove Saturday, they will keep winning football games. Now, could it make a difference in the last one against Ohio State? Maybe. That's, that's possible. But as I said, at some point, somebody's got to be accountable fair or unfair and sometimes it is unfair eventually you know the old buck stops here on the head coach's desk and to me this is fine and i think if they would just calm down a little bit this will pass in two weeks this will pass and michigan's going to be just fine and we're going to move on and other than maybe some people pointing fingers at the players which i don't get that they're going to be fine too i think i hope they went out i i hope they went out um. Yeah, I think they got a pretty good chance of doing that. Actually, they got Maryland right this week. No, I hope they win out the rest of the season and win and, a championship, like all the way through. And, and why not? It's either them or Georgia would be your favorites at this point, I would think. Uh, and he'll be back for for the for the postseason. So, uh, you'll be back tomorrow, right? Yep. Okay. Um, I will not because I'll be traveling tomorrow afternoon with Richmond basketball, but I will be back after the top of the hour break and take this for another hour. Uh, Enjoyed it today, Matt. That was fun. Good stuff. And uh, we'll be listening in tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock. Sounds good. There goes Matt Josephs, host of Border to Border. You can hear him every weekday from 3 to 4 right here on 1061 ESPN. We got a second hour to go. A little more college basketball talk. Rick Watson, voice of the Radford Highlanders, will join us. They're in town to play VCU on Wednesday night. Then they get JMU on Friday night. So it's state week for Radford at the start of the college basketball season. And we'll get Rick's perspective on that in the 5 o'clock hour. More NFL talk, college football, college basketball, whatever might be on your mind. It is straight ahead after the ESPN Sports Center update at 5, right here on 1061 ESPN. If you want to buy, sell, or trade, 